Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. This is Lisa with Charismatic Woman and with Janet. And I were just joking that there is only two of us on the line for a call about course fatigue. Hmm. <laughs> It's, I, kind of, it's either ironic or appropriate, and I'm not sure which, or both at once. I know. <laughs> I had three people email and say that they could not be here tonight, and they were going to listen to the archives. So I know that we are only alone in in the physical, that in spirit, there will be other people with us on this call. But I think it's a pertinent and appropriate call. And I was about to explain before we started it, but we'll get all this in the recording. This is one of the longest programs I've ever done, and I had course material lined up forever on this and had more technical issues than I've ever, ever, ever had delivering a program. Like everything about delivering program technical stuff just crumbled and collapsed underneath this. And it was interesting because I didn't feel any particular resistance to this program. Like I checked my vibration a lot. And I think as I have kind of watched sort of the vibratory barometer of indicators, I think there's been some resistance in the group in terms of longer, longer program. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. I, I believe there is kind of a desire for a hit it and forget it and move on. Like let's do short bursts of material and move on to something else which even that makes me curious, like this sort of, I don't know, there's a, there's a bit of shiny object syndrome in personal development. And maybe I see that because I've also got it. Like how much time am I willing to invest in that? But more than that, I think that there is generally an essence in a lot of communities, not just this one, but in a lot of communities of course fatigue, of program fatigue, where people are getting, investing like money and sometimes a lot of money in programs and expecting big results and not experiencing big results because maybe they're skimming, maybe the material doesn't hit, but constantly being in a cycle of self-improvement program, self-improvement program, self-improvement program, and then... I don't know, sort of feeling like you're sort of constantly awash with different elements of different programs as things move on. So, I mean, I'm curious. You said this was apropos to you before we started. Mm. What are your thoughts on program fatigue? This is so interesting to me because I, I um, just this morning, I found myself thinking that one particular th- that. All right, a couple of things. First of all, I became aware that I have been kind of trying to transform multiple things in my life and none of them has been getting a lot of traction. This is going back, you know, for a year. So we're talking longer term here, that that none of them's really been getting a lot of traction. And I realized that it was I was doing that same thing that we do when we're multitasking of not doing any of them with any particular success. 
but you, you you know that one in particular I have had traction lately because I've had some assistance from you with it and it's been and I it's been you know getting some massive improvement and so this morning I was sort of thinking there's something weird going on and I don't know what it is so when I when I sort of paused to take stock I realized that I there's a I'd say what 75% of me is totally on board with that particular thing having shifted in a significant way and another 25% of me is almost if you like addicted to the, being in the state of having a problem and that there is that sense of and that sort of led me to think about how I'm so habituated to having a problem and seeking a solution that that in itself becomes uh, a sort of meta problem, if you like. It's it's like in order to feed that addiction to problem and solution, I need to constantly look for the next the next course, the next thing that's going to solve this, and I never pause to actually celebrate that there might be, have been some shift. That's how it has been in the past. Now that I'm aware of it, I think it's going to be significantly different. Uh, and I'm also very much aware that I have had, I, I will put my hand up for being part of the generation that likes instant gratification. You know, um, Jeff Olson talks about this a bit in his book, The Slight Edge, where we, we Westerners, you know, us privileged Westerners, we are used to the idea that I can walk into a room, flick a switch and the light comes on. My ancestors had to work really hard to make the lights, to, to have light at night. So mm -hmm. we're, in so many ways in our lives, we are used to this instant result. And so when we come to something where it might take a little longer, so the longer course that is actually going to be really valuable and make a big difference, we we lose patience halfway through because our brains are wired for this instant result or faster result. So, and for those of us who provide, who, who create material, I, you know, I'm thinking about my my new. I don't know. I, I don't know. It feels a bit wanky to call it a signature course, but but that's kind of what it is. My new core course actually goes for 16 weeks, because when I ran it with a group program, and I did it over eight weeks, there was a point halfway through where people were really struggling to keep catch up with themselves, and so I realised they all said it would be much better if we had two weeks between modules. Now that I've got this thing that I've made and it's 16 weeks long, I'm looking at it going, I don't know. I'm not sure that people are going to do it for 16 weeks. If that's the only thing they're doing, then it's probably really powerful. But if, it, if, if the people who buy it come from this same background as me of constantly looking for the next program, or me as I was, I'm not doing that anymore, but... If they're in that zone of kind of going, where's the next short bite, then the 16-week thing may not suit them. And yet there are people out there doing year-long programs. So I think it's just a really interesting conversation to have. And certainly from my own perspective, I, I know that it takes me longer than a week. I know that. And yet part of me sort of goes, I've been doing it for a week now. What's the, what's the next exciting thing? <laughs> Well, I mean, I looked at a program. Um, I've got Daily Ohm on my Facebook feed, and they come. They often promote 
programs that I think it's the mm. daily own, but whatever. I looked at a program and I, I looked at it long enough that I like bookmarked the sales page and it was relatively, I will say very affordable actually, and looked really, really interesting, but it was an entire year long. And mm. I thought to myself, like when I read the sales page, my thought was, I get that. I get that what they're doing. I get why that would take a year. I get why these incremental baby steps make a lot of sense to me. And I questioned my ability to stay focused for a year. And I think you nailed something that I didn't identify for myself was one thing. Like if that was the only program I was working for 12 months, Mm. that might really work. That might be super transformational. But a lot of us have habits of Stacking, trying to stack layers of change on top of layers of change. Mm-hmm. And then the energy that we have to devote towards change gets really watered down and sort of scattered out. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've, I've certainly know. I've observed that for myself. You know, the, the trying, to <clears throat> trying to tackle a whole bunch of different programs all at the same time, which is kind of nuts because each one is has been carefully designed by its maker to work on its own. Look, when I design stuff for my clients, I don't design stuff that I'm sort of thinking, well, I'll tackle this one thing and somebody else will do something else. And, you know, my client will be doing mine alongside something else. I don't, I don't ever assume that. I assume when I'm making it that that's all the client is going to be doing for that time. There's a sort of presupposition that actually might be quite flawed and it might be even worth my while. I don't want to second guess myself and go back and change the program because I think it's really fantastic as it is. I think it's brilliant. And I know that I am interested in kind of giving a hand up to people who've never done anything like this before. So that's part of my agenda has been to say, you know what, There's all of there are those of us who are in this world and we're sort of playing in this environment all the time. So we're constantly aware, we know we've got daily OM on our feed and we've got stuff coming into our inboxes with the latest collection of programs. But there's a whole world out there of people who could use some help who don't necessarily have access to this. And and I want to make sure that the stuff I deliver is geared towards being uh, you know, a one-stop shop. If this was all you did, it would make a huge difference. And yet at the same time, I know that there are people in my client roster, you know, on my client roster who will do my thing and they will be doing other stuff at the same time. And I may not, never, I may not ever know that. So it's an interesting, it's just fascinating, both as a user of stuff and as a creator of stuff. Right. I know that, I mean, to that, started delivering stuff. She had one program in particular that she delivered every two weeks. And when Mm. I first started delivering this program, my goal was to deliver twice a week. It turned out to be about one every other week as I really looked at it because of some of my technical problems. And I look at the people who participated in this course because a lot of people participated in Most Interesting Women in the World. And there were people who I would guess completed about, I would say, 95% of the missions, which is huge. I mean, that was a lot of a lot of material came out. They completed a lot of missions, and felt like I would. I'm just going to say that those people probably felt like they felt a sense of accomplishment and a shift, an elevation of their state of being. But they were all of those women, and I can think of 
six, actually, off the top of my head, that completed a large amount of the material that came out of this course were what I would call dedicated single taskers. Interesting. Not, yeah. Probably not just in terms of course material, but just in general. Like, mm. they, they are people that I know to be the anti of multitaskers. And, and yet, I also can say that this course, other courses and courses I've taken, I've still gotten things out of courses that I've been a skimmer in, mm. where, you know, I may not be participating as wholeheartedly as I anticipated or wanted to, but I walked away with big ahas from moments that were ripe when I was allowing myself to be a skimmer rather than forcing myself to participate just because I paid for something. That's such a good point, Lisa. I think that's true too. That that, um, And I know it's true for me. I did, um, I'm thinking in particular of a course that I did. It was not so much a self-help thing, but it was um, a, 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 cor- a writing-based course. Uh, and by the end of it, I knew that I disagreed with maybe 75% of the the course material that my experience as a writer it it, it was the the advice given didn't suit me and it didn't suit my readership and that was fine but the other 25% was absolutely invaluable so you know um, even where I didn't so I, I tended to skim the parts that I didn't that didn't light me up. The, the bits where I looked at it and went, yeah, that doesn't apply, or yeah, that's not for me. So I, I skimmed, but I cherry-picked. And I think that's that's worth remembering that, you know, I think like with all things, it just comes back to being aware of our own, you know, our own modalities, if you like, how we do this. So we because there's no point in paying for something and then skimming it and then feeling really guilty about the fact that you didn't do the whole thing. Because that's just, you know, that just gives puts us in self-criticism and shame and none of that's helpful. So, yeah, it's fascinating. I think that the next question then that comes up for me, because you and I actually had some interesting discussions about the number 20 hours a week, where I said that I wanted to dedicate 20 hours a week to myself and my... <laughs> expansion and you kind of gasped and then I think we discussed it and you know but I also think that there's a flip side of this coin where people get program fatigue where their best intentions for themselves take the lead but they then can't marry their best intentions for themselves with their actual behavior in the real world I'm not, I'm going to back that up. So like they want to make themselves a priority. They want to make their growth a priority. They want to see themselves expanding and changing and evolving in the world. But when it comes right down to it, the kids, the bills, the job, the husband, the house, the cars, the pets still get most Mm. of their time and attention. And I've also been guilty of some of that, like saying that I wanted to invest in myself and yet not making myself a priority when it comes right down to it. Yeah, I can relate to that. And it's interesting because I, I noticed, um, in fact, I can I, I can put my hand up for that specifically with um, Most Interesting Woman where 
there were a couple of things that I that absolutely lit me up. The learning languages. So I started learning Italian and Welsh because I couldn't choose. So I decided to do both. And for some reason, I don't know why they both came have been coming easily. But a couple of weeks ago, maybe I just realised that I was getting reminders from Duolingo to say, you know. Uh, just to, to remind me to go and practice and I would go back, I would open the app and it would be, I would have not practiced for three days and when I started out, I was doing it every day. So there was, it was like there was a rubber band pulling me back to my old behavior. I'd got all enthusiastic and all excited about it early on. I can remember posting in the Facebook group about the fact that I'd actually done, I had a 17 day streak with Duolingo. I had practiced every day for 17 days, which is for me, that's huge. That is massive. And it took about feeling like an interesting woman because I was now the woman who practiced Italian every single day. I'm no longer that woman. Something happened where life intervened. I got distracted. I would get the reminder from Duolingo and I would simply hit the snooze button or hit delete button or, you know, and keep going with whatever I was doing. It, it, it became... It's, it's like I got pulled back into the old version of me who doesn't practice languages. So, and I find that really interesting, not in a judgmental way, just an, just an awareness that maybe it required a little more sustained effort. Maybe there is that, for me, there is that point where the excitement and the shininess wears off and I still have to um, sustain the practice. I have to get through that period where it's no longer a new shiny thing. Now it's just an ordinary thing and I still want to do it. I still, and that requires, meeting that desire to do it actually requires more effort than it did when it was shiny and new. And there's a, I don't know, in theatre they call it the second night syndrome um, where opening night everybody is completely and utterly focused you're on edge there's a lot of adrenaline there's a lot of the you know we've just been through technical week where everybody's worked you know 14 hour days for a week and everybody's on then running on their nerves and, and there's all this energy and then you turn and that's fantastic there's a party and then you've got to turn up on the second night and do it all again and the energy is much lower and unless you know that that's going to happen that's when you often see um with an inexperienced cast, you'll see them walking through the part because they, there's like a wall that you hit because you don't have the adrenaline rush of first night, but you've still got to do the practice. You've still got to show up and do the performance. And I think that's, it. I think that's worth knowing about and I think I, I almost feel like I, I could build that into any course material that I make that would sort of help people recognize it for themselves and find a way through it. Which goes back to that sort of Western civilization, shiny object, immediate results syndrome. Like mm. we may not be as good at breaking through that kind of resistance. It's always the question for me and Frank Butterfield and I, and some people who listen to this might not know who Frank Butterfield is. I mean, he channels a communion of light. You can look him up if you want. Frank Butterfield and I have had some really interesting conversations on this subject because I am. I always wonder what's on the other side of my resistance. And I always imagine that it's rainbows and unicorns and fairies. And a lot of times it is. Like if I can get through the resistance, what's on the other side of that is amazing. 
I mean, Frank would say, don't ever do anything that you feel resistance to. I mean, if it doesn't feel absolutely delicious in the moment, why would you do that? And mm-hmm. my question remains, it's like, okay, well, I here's here's how it works to me. Like, I get up in the morning, and if I'm not going to break through my resistance, I'm going to sleep until 10 minutes before my first call. I'm going to be rushing around with my little one to get things set before I have to be on the phone. My day is going to be on chaos because I decided to surrender to, you know, resistantly not resisting as mm. opposed to, you know, getting up, putting on my jacket when I don't want to, going for a walk outside when it's cold, knowing that that's going to make me feel better doing my yoga, even though I don't want to, setting my day in a way, I mean, setting myself up for success by getting through the resistance. And I'm not talking about success in traditional terms. Like I have resistance to doing some things that I know are going to leave me feeling better than I did before. I have to get through that resistance. And I think, you know, I had the same experience with Duolingo. It's easy to ignore the reminders, but the feeling of satisfaction, the feeling of completion, yes. the feeling of all of that, to me, is worth doing the thing that maybe doesn't feel utterly delicious that very second. And that may sound very anti-LOA. I don't know for sure how to rectify that, but I know that I feel better for getting through my resistance a lot of the time. This is so interesting to me because I've been thinking a lot recently about the phenomenon of inertia and mm. because I, I, to, I totally get where Frank's coming from and I love how he says, uh, you know, there's the wonderful quote from Communion of Light which is give up early and give up often. I love that. It kind of makes, it, it, because it makes me laugh but also it feels really, it feels good. And so when it comes to, Duolingo is a really good example of this where I see the reminder usually at a moment where I'm in the middle of doing something else. So it requires me to remember to do it, to, you know, I haven't got it set up to do it at a particular time of day because my day is not, uh, you know, because I don't have kids, my day doesn't have a very rigid structure to it. In fact, there are days that have no structure at all. So it's really easy to just completely forget for three days that I haven't done it. Um, and it feels, and that's when it begins to feel like resistance to do it because I kind of go, I've forgotten for three days, I haven't done it, now I'm going to have to go back and do all the reviewing, which is boring. And yet, as I'm doing it, there is this fabulous feeling of satisfaction. There is this, I love the fact that when I go back and do reviews, generally speaking, I nail it. I very, very rarely get an error. I love that my core value of accomplishment absolutely adores that. Um, but it's the same when when I'm writing. Like when I was when I was writing my first book, I had a deadline, and I this was the first time I'd ever had an agreement with a publisher where I had a deadline. I had to get it in on time, and oh my god, I had to push through some pretty heavy duty resistance to get those words on the page, because again, I could rely I could rely on that core value of accomplishment to help me through that. But I was aware as I was doing it that. I was going to get so much payoff that the easy thing, the surrender, would have been close the laptop, go and take a nap and do that for the rest of the day, not just for 30 minutes, but like just walk away from this book. The, the surrender would have been email the publisher and say, forget it, I don't want to do it. That would have been the surrender. But I knew, but that did not feel good deep down. 
So there was more resistance to that surrender than there was to the finishing of the book. So for me, there's a kind of, um, there's this inertia says, don't write the book because that will turn you into an author. So let's keep the status quo. Pushing through that inertia and actually deciding that, no, I am an author and authors finish books. That felt better than giving in to the inertia and sending the publisher an email and saying, you know what, let's forget it. So I think it's about, for me anyway, there are layers. It's, it's not just what feels good, what feels better in the moment because my human brain has the capacity to think ahead to, what, to the payoff I'm going to get. Even when I'm not doing it consciously, that's how brains work. They know that there's a payoff and so when I can sort of consciously say, the payoff for breaking through the resistance is going to be I will have a book written <laughs> and that's going to be pretty freaking awesome. The payoff if I surrender and send my publisher an email to say I'm not doing it, I'm not going to love that payoff. I'm really going to hate it. I get the short-term satisfaction but the long-term payoff will, not be, will be worse than the short-term you know, having to sit down and write the book. So I... To me, I, even though I do, I know what you mean about how it sounds anti-law of attraction. I think it's um, it's just an it's an interesting thing for us to tease out for our own selves. Well, and I think you hit on something that's critically important. That if I really think about it, it, makes a lot of sense. Like there's resistance. Resistance is a lot of things. Resistance is I don't want to do this. Resistance might be. You know, I, I tend to think that resistance is higher wisdom, higher self pointing you in a direction of something that feels better. Like mm. resistance is one thing, but inertia is another. I mean, I may not want to do anything, a program, a project, dinner, I don't know. If I'm feeling big resistance and I'm plowing through resistance to do it, I'm not likely going to get good results from that. But I think that understanding that probably it's inertia. It might, I mean, inertia is a whole different ballgame. I mean, we know how inertia and momentum work and that we are human and that our resistance to change, our resistance to putting in effort, our resistance to getting up and getting moving in the morning, that's inertia. That's not really resistance. And they are different things. They are very different I like different that. Things. I like that thought. I, that feels extremely empowering. And it does resolve. It, in fact, <laughs> it's kind of like the M theory of law of attraction. Because what it does is it resolves that apparent dichotomy. You know, there is this, that, that question you asked is, you know, how, how does that reconcile with law of attraction? I think you've, I think that's it. I think between us we've we've come up with that M theory. <laughs> there we go. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so I think it really does come down to, you know, program fatigue comes down to maybe inertia. It comes down to a willingness to prioritize ourselves over other things that seem important. And there there's almost no exception to the fact that if you prioritize yourself you have more to give to the other things that seem important when it's all said and done. And then mm. this other piece of maybe constantly ch chasing change 
without giving ourselves the time and the space to actually change. I mean, it's a little bit like chasing knowledge without actually doing the change, which feels very frustrating. Like I know how to change. Knowing how to work law of attraction, knowing how to work lots of things when you don't take the time to actually work it is worse than being ignorant to the solution. Yes, I agree with that. I would also... I would also probably, I, I kind of feel like I want to add when it comes to program fatigue, um, I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right about it's like, you know, I, I, as soon as, it's almost as though, and I, again, I'll put my hand up for this because I've done this, um, it's almost like I'm feeling terrible right now. If I just pay for this program, that in itself, it does give me a lift, gives me a, a mood lift. And because it's like, oh, thank God, I found the program, the the program, the book, the the person, whatever it might be, and now everything is going to change. That gives me an instant vibration lift, an instant mood lift, an instant hit of relief because at last I'm not on my own. I'm not trying to figure this out on my own. And that in itself, I think, can become a little addictive because because what happens when we've got the program, the book, the whatever is we have to do the work in order for it to make a difference. And we know that deep down. We know that we're going to have to apply this, assuming that it resonates. I mean, if we read the book and we realize that it just it isn't for us, then that's different. But, you know, if we read the book, we do the pro- we get the program, whatever, um, then there comes the bit where the person who wrote it or is delivering it says, and now you've got to do your homework. And there's that moment of kind of going, oh, it's another thing to do. And my and it's like my brain, again, talking for myself, my brain wants to be kind to me and says, look, that's going to be hard work. You're going to have to make some effort. What about we see if there's another shiny thing that will give you a mood lift because we know we get mm-hmm. the instant mood lift from buying the shiny thing. So it's, it's again, it's... Um, I I think one of the things that can be helpful in dealing with our own program fatigue is flowing a lot more self-compassion. So rather than saying, well, you know what? I mean, I've, I can, I've got an external hard drive that I kid you not is, is almost full to bursting with programs I've bought over the last five years that I've never even looked at properly. And some of them are, some of them are big, some, most of them are small programs and books and what have you um, and recordings. And I could very easily sit down and say to myself right you have to work through every single one of those before you buy anything new and when you do that your life will be transformed that doesn't feel great I have to say it feels pretty like you know I've got a, a, a it, it makes me feel like I've got a to-do list that, that would choke a horse uh, so I think the self-compassion to say be a little easier on ourselves that if we've had program addiction, <laughs> which is what kind of what I feel like I'm talking about, is this kind of addiction to buying new programs. If that's the case, then of course we're going to have program fatigue because we're sort of we've overwhelmed ourselves with stuff that we could do, and I'm sort of feeling like if we have got if we've got it, we've paid for it, then we ought to do it, and it's like no, that doesn't feel great. So I I, I want to go back to self love and self compassion with this stuff. Well, and I want to go to, we could drift this off forever. I mean, there's lots of possibilities. I think sometimes 
mean, I think about you with an external hard drive full of programs, and I laugh because nobody knows this stuff better than you do. I mean, I think sometimes, sometimes we use programs as a way of not having to access what we already know in terms of our own internal guidance, our own inner wisdom. Our, we're sort of outsourcing our, yes. our knowingness. Like, really, Janet, is there much out there that you could learn that you don't already know in this particular field? Probably not. And, I mean, it's, I'm not going to say I can't learn anything because, of course, I can. But, I mean, a 12-month course from Daily Ohm, how much of it am I already going to have heard? But it sure might be easier to have somebody deliver some smart thoughts to my inbox rather than me having to buckle down and listen to my own inner guidance. I think that's so interesting, Lisa, and and you're right. And I'm, I'm, you know, there is that again. It's that there's there's two sides of two ways of looking at it. One is to say, okay, well, I am outsourcing and in a sense almost avoiding my inner guidance because I'm sort of going, well, inner guidance knows exactly what I need to be doing, and oh, I'm going to just run away from that and go and do this program over here because <laughs> somebody else could tell me what to do. But at the same time, I also think that. Um, there are programs that come up from time to time where it's a convenient way to get me traction on what my inner guidance already knows. So, for example, I recently um, signed up for uh, Stella Sea Spirit's um, Own Your Witchiness 14-Day Challenge. It's a free thing that she rolls out. And I thought, I'd be, I've, I've been very conscious of wanting to, to be more focused on my, you know, the, the esoteric, um, my Neptune energy. And I haven't been making the space for it, doing something specific and concrete for 14 days, uh, and I have to say I've been, you know, probably it's going to take me about <laughs> 36 days to get through it all, all the material, uh, but it's been really nice to have a um, a trigger for me to do the work that I already wanted to do anyway, and my inner guidance knew I wanted to do, but somebody else was not exactly holding me accountable because it doesn't hurt thing doesn't work like that it's not that you know it's a um, it's not that uh, direct hands-on but there is this sense of I have an opportunity here to lean into someone else delivering material that's a complete match for what I want to expand right now and I can sort of lean into her material and use that as the trigger to get me to do things in the same way that Duolingo, Duolingo becomes a, a way to get some traction when it comes to becoming the girl who can speak Italian. So, I, I, again, it comes out, it comes down to our own awareness of our relationship to programs and books and, and material. Mm. I think it's so, such a fabulous opportunity to get to know how we do this stuff. I would, I mean, I will give a shout out to the person who I will not mention her name but who literally emailed me and told me that she has absolutely no doubt, and this is somebody that has not been in one of my programs before, randomly saw something on Facebook that I had posted, signed up for this program, and swore, swears that it was her intuition that told her to sign up because one of the, one of the modules, which we could probably all guess which one, she believes saved her life one night a few weeks ago in terms of some material that she had picked up on self-defense and like sort of situational awareness. 
and she truly believes she was led to this program for that one module in advance mm. of a situation where she would have been in some fairly significant jeopardy. So I think your point is very apt that, you know, we could be getting drifted to places that our intuition is leading us to. I think the key to success there is being in touch with our intuition so that it is our intuition or our inner guidance that's sort of pushing the current of the drift rather than a twisted desperation and sick desire to feel better or be different. Yes. Yes. I totally get that. Uh, that that's such a great example of, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was very long-windedly <laughs> trying to say. <laughs> Is it fear or inner guidance that makes me want to sign up for this program? I love it. I think that for me, and I've said this before, like my goal with programs at this point is I am not looking for programs to fix me. Like I'm I'm no longer looking Mm. for the traditional self-help, here's your problem, here's the fix. I am interested in programs that help me explore myself, that help me expand. I'm interested in programs that help me feel more, not less. Like I, for myself, I'm just not interested anymore in the, here's a fix. You are broken, Mm. so here's a fix. And I think it's really easy. We all agree on that, right? Like we all agree we don't want to be marketed to the you're broken model. And yet it's still really easy to, it, it is still easy for that to happen. Even with the awareness of it, I, I have to stand guard over my checkbook on that one. Yeah, I, 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 it's very interesting for me to watch my Facebook feed and uh, cause, because of the sorts of things that I tend to interact with, Facebook gives me a lot of ads and sponsored material from people who are running various different kinds of either self-help stuff or business stuff, you know, especially business stuff for solopreneurs or for coaches or whatever. And it's very interesting for me to observe how over the past, what, three years, uh, my response when I see one of those ads has shifted significantly because I can remember back to when I would see uh, an ad for something and I would immediately have that, that instant reaction that said, oh my God, this might save my business. Whereas now I'm much more likely to look at it and have a far more, um, I don't know, a a much more balanced response. So, because I I have had, there have been a couple of free webinars I've done in the last three months that have been incredibly useful, insanely useful. Uh, There was the one that I know that you, I've, mentioned to you about um, creating uh, small products, you know, a single, a, a single, single solution, single product in a single sitting. That came from a webinar that looked intriguing to me and it was a way of approaching something that I'd never come, I hadn't really come across in that co- uh, detailed way before. And I would say I took away probably 30% of what was on offer from that webinar and it was brilliant and the rest it was like, yeah, that doesn't apply. Three years ago, if I had done that webinar, I would have done it from the thing of, oh my God, I need this to save my business and I and I would try, I would have tried to slavishly apply all of it um, and it wouldn't have been a fit. And 
being able to sort of be aware of that shift in my own relationship to this kind of material is is it feels fantastic. It's very liberating to know that I'm no longer sort of <laughs> at the mercy of ad clever advertising. But it's also uh, it's also really valuable to kind of recognise how I my own instinct with those programs has shifted out of fear and into inner guidance. Mm-hmm. That's probably how we can sum it up. Like if we are. If we are in a good place with our inner guidance, then program fatigue is going to be a lot less of an issue. If we mm -hmm. are bouncing based on save me, save my business, save my mm -hmm. whatever, then it's going to be, that's, that's not, inner guidance isn't writing a save me script. And it's going to exactly. be harder to dig in. That's so interesting, Yay. Lisa. Uh, really that and it's I suppose the obvious question that arises then is if we become aware that we're signing up for programs or that we're tempted to sign up for programs because we have a save me energy going on or that save me has been activated the next question is what do we do about that hire a coach <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I mean maybe maybe you hire yeah. a coach I mean maybe you just get gut honest with the fact that that's the that's the program that's running and get really curious about why, why, I mean, we're all almost always safe. Like, so why am I running a panic, a panic alarm right now? Like mm. curious self inquiry rather than externalizing that work, I think would be the key. And sometimes having one-on-one -on -one support where it's much more difficult just to skim. Mm. I mean, much less likely just to skim I mean, it really, when I think about the amount of money that I've spent on programs versus the amount of money that I've spent on coaching, like one-on-one -on -one coaching is almost always more effective, and it seems like it's more expensive, but what can be done in four to six weeks in, in a concentrated one-on-one -on -one environment where I'm not just skimming, mm. I think that's pretty huge. That's so interesting because I... I've just been thinking about this at that exact thing as you were talking earlier. I was thinking about my, you know, my long program, 16 weeks. Actually, sounds quite short compared to a year-long program. But my 16-week program, I was thinking to myself, if somebody would have come to me and say, I, I need something to change. I haven't got 16 weeks. I need it to change now. My very first response would be, don't do the program. Just hire me for a month, <laughs> and we'll do it together, because it because the coaching is targeted and specific and you know with a program you've got to wait for the I mean I do let people have access to all the material up sort of two weeks in so they they don't have it doesn't have to take 16 weeks but um but it just seems so um it seems so logical to say well you you can do the program or the book or read the book or whatever or you can be do this much more focused thing and get a lot more traction and get held to account a little bit which I think is really valuable not you know I'm not, I'm not I, I think accountability is uh, is a really useful thing and often it's an internal accountability like if my if I've made a deal with my coach I don't need her to be checking in with me every day because she knows that I will check be checking in with myself kind of going I said I would do this so now I've got to do it <laughs> Right. 
Yeah. And I mean, just so it doesn't sound like we're pitching coaching, which I am pitching yeah. coaching, but really curious self-inquiry. I mean, if you're stuck mm-hmm. in that spot, it's entirely possible that if you'll just sit down and be quiet, sit down and shut up with yourself rather <laughs> than bouncing to the next thing that is going to give you that temporary lift. When you were talking about the temporary lift, it sounded like a sugar high, right? Yeah. Like it's my, ne- it's my next Dr. Pepper. I will feel better when I drink my next Dr. Pepper for an hour and 22 minutes. (laughs) Exactly. Not an an hour and 23, by the way, not an hour and 20, but an hour and 22 minutes. I will feel better. That's hilarious. But yes, uh, agreed. I think, you know, we can do, we can, we can often do this. We can always do this on our own. Just sometimes it doesn't feel that way. So, yeah. Yay, I think we nailed it. We discussed this, you and I. Thank you so much, Lisa, for this. Uh, this topic is, it couldn't, could not have been more timely for me because I, you know, that sense of um, being addicted to the problem has made it, because something, you know, that, that, that big thing that we've shifted together, uh, I'm still getting used to it. I'm, there's still a part of me that's kind of going, Hang on, we've had this problem for how many decades have I been on the planet? <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it feels really weird and bizarre not to have the problem in the same way before. There's still some work to do, but it's uh, so being aware of that kind of addiction, that potential that we that I have to being addicted to having a problem, to being the person with a problem, is kind of interesting. So thank you, I really appreciate it. I will own that with you, and I will give it up with you right now. We will give it up together. We are not people with problems as of today. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All right, my dear. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.